Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the house of the Lord. Just like uh, one of my good friends, uh, Michael Buffer, always says, let's get ready to praise the Lord. You ready? Amen. Praise God. All right. So I will read a scripture, pray, and we'll get some praise and worship. Amen. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he'll guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Praise God. We have the Holy Spirit, right? Praise God. Amen? Amen. Well, let's uh, stand up, please. We'll pray and begin some praise and worship. Father, we just thank you for your presence in our lives, presence in our families' lives, Lord. We just praise you and honor you tonight. We thank you for, for being our, our God and for just knowing us better than we know ourselves. Lord, tonight we just pray that you would uh, anoint this service, anoint everyone who is here. Lord, bless them for coming. And Lord, those that are away from us for whatever reason, Lord, tonight we just ask that you would draw them back to us as quick as possible. Lord, we miss them, we love them, and we want them to be here with us. Lord, tonight I just pray that you would bless the worship team, give them, uh, give them the ability to bring us into that sweet place of praise, Lord. We just thank you for this service, and we thank you for this time. We love you, we praise you, and we honor you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stay standing.
unworthy You are King of Kings. You are Lord of Lords. You are God above all gods. Lord, anything outside of you is not you. We declare you sovereign in this place tonight, Lord. Lord, tear down all of our idols, Lord. Lord, we repent of those things that we have placed in front of you. Lord, for you alone are our light and our life. We thank you so much, in Jesus' name.
universe again.
Lord, we give you our praises tonight. Lord, we give you our hearts, our souls, and our minds. We surrender everything to you. I surrender 
Welcome, church. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Before we get started, I just want to remind you and encourage you, brothers, that you are favored and loved by God. And when the enemy comes at you with condemnation, remember that you have confessed with your mouth and you have believed in with your heart. And God is faithful. And the thing about being God's children is that he goes before you. And I want you guys to let that sink in, that Jesus goes before you, before we pray. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your love and your sacrifice on the cross. We ask you, Father God, just to come into our hearts and our minds. Let us hear the word. Let us soak it in and remember, Lord, what you have done for us. In the name of Jesus, amen. I remember as a young teenager, in school and learning about this time of year. Um, my family had a lot of hatred for this time of year. People in my family had a lot of hatred. They called this a, a bad holiday. They called it uh, uh, something that was bad for my people. And then I got saved. And Jesus reminded me that, that this time is a time of thanksgiving. 
This is a time that we thank him for what he's done in our lives. We thank him for the, the great blessings that he bestows upon us. So thanksgiving is a good thing. No matter what others try and, try and do to that word, for us, it's a special word. So remember that this week, brothers and sisters. Remember, this is a time of thanksgiving. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay, so as we prepare to uh, have our hearts filled with uh, God's word from our brother Seku, I have one question for you before I go. What do you get when you cross a, a centipede and a parrot? A walkie-talkie. <laughs> have to ad lib that whole first part. Luke chapter 17, and as also pointed out, um, yes, obviously we're going to talk about Thanksgiving, um, but especially in myself, not just you guys, because don't think that Seku comes up here and I have everything all together and I come up here to present the word of God to the people who need it most because I have everything. No, no. Absolutely not. Um, we call this church to the least of these, but our other nickname for the church is Hot Mess. Uh, I'm, I'm part of that. And so there are some things I was going through, and it's a, it's, it's a wonder how people will throw medication at you and say, you need to take this for this, and you need to take that for that. And God says, you need to sit down and, and first of all, have some gratitude and start practicing gratitude. And not just platitudes, but gratitude. Where's Reed at? You can't give them platitudes. It's got to be gratitude. It's from the heart and not in part. <laughs> That's a Reverend Jesse Jackson joke. Some of y'all get it, some of y'all won't. But um, gratitude is extremely important. And we could talk about it, we can use the scriptures, but in all honesty, gratitude really changes your perspective on things. So let's turn to Luke chapter 17. We're going to be reading verses 11 through 19. If you're there, say amen. amen. If you're not there, say amen. Let's all stand and honor reading God's word. Luke chapter 17 starts in verse 11, says, Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee, and that he is Jesus. Then he entered a certain village. There he met him ten men who were lepers, 
who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priests. And so as it went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who, uh, to, uh, who returned to give glory to God except for this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your, just bringing us together. And we pray that you are with us in this time, that your spirit speaks to us, speaks not only in our spirit, but to our hearts and minds and the depths of our soul to edu educate us, to encourage us, to give us something to grow on and be able to share with others. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, playing with the, you may be seated. Playing with the bait trap and forgot to get water. So if there's anybody on the other side who would be kind enough to get me some water, I thank you uh, tremendously. Now, I had planned on in Sekou's wisdom and starting somewhere else and going with this. And as I was meditating this morning, and thank you for that because it's, it was like just kind of sitting and all of a sudden this came and said, start here. And you would say, well, why would you start here? Well, number one, we have in this church something in common with these 10. You said, we don't have leprosy. No, we don't. But see, leprosy in that time was a, a disease that in, once you had it, you basically were an outcast. Thank you. You were sent to the outskirts of the city. You were not allowed to engage in, in activities with the healthy people. You were not even allowed to be around other people. You had to go with others of your kind, the sick people, the ones with leprosy. For those of y'all that don't know, the CDC uh, calls leprosy, which still exists, uh, but they call it Hansen's disease, uh, is an infection caused by a slow-growing bacteria called Mycobacterium leprae. It can affect the nerves, skin, eyes, and lining of the nose. With early diagnosis and treatment, the disease can be cured. Nowadays with antibiotics, they didn't have that back then, and they didn't have that in the days of the Torah. So basically, when you had something that was bacteria-related, even though they didn't know it as that, the one thing you want to do is limit contact. The same thing with COVID. Everybody freaked out, hid in their homes, and limited contact. It's still proliferated. But when it comes to leprosy, it didn't just carry the stigma of having the disease. It carried the stigma of what the disease did to you as it progressed. Things started to wither and fall off. You didn't look right. People could see you coming a long way off, and they would go, something's not right with him. But even before you could determine that, these people had to broadcast their situation unclean. And so they would walk in the city unclean. Let everybody know you shouldn't be around this person. Now, modern day leprosy, we could now start to associate it with something else. People segregated, can't be around others, or should not be around others. They want to keep them isolated. They want to broadcast your whereabouts everywhere. So we kind of know, except the physical deformation, what it's like with the situation of leprosy. 
And they were in need of a solution that nobody could provide. But these 10 saw Jesus, and from afar off, they didn't get close, but from afar off, they cried out intensely, Master, have mercy on us. Jesus, also keeping to what was supposed to happen, basically told him, go show yourselves to the priest. Because that is what happened when you were rid of leprosy, or at least when you had no more active infection, is that, okay, leprosy has been taken care of. You go show yourself to the priest. He pronounces you clean. He didn't touch them. He didn't come into contact with them. He just said, what you should do is go be on your way as if you were already clean. They started walking, and they discovered that they were clean. Nine of them kept going. One of them turned around. It's interesting how a tithe of these people turned around to acknowledge Jesus and glorify God for what he saw that happened. The rest decided to go to the priest, but one turned around and said, I need to go and acknowledge God. I need to go to the one through whom this healing happened, and I need to acknowledge God. And he wasn't even Jewish. He was a Samaritan, a half-breed. We would uh, think about it as, you know, if nine of us were Christians and one was a Mormon, you know, someone who's a little off, a lot of off, they didn't consider the Samaritans as normal people. But the Samaritan was the one to go back and worship. All of them were in an outcast society. In an intense outcry, they cried out for help. Only one came back, and that was the outside outsider. He came back, nine departed. All of them received the gift, but one recognized the gift and the gift giver, recognized the grace that was in his life, returned to the grace giver in humility and worship. Now, Mark talks a lot about worship is more than just music, and it is. It's a posture. It's what you do in your life when you say everything I do is for you, whether I'm speaking, whether I'm teaching, whether I'm singing, whether I'm playing the guitar. Worship is a lifestyle. It's not a 20 minute, 30 minute segment, <laughs> 35 minutes, however long we take. It's not a short temporary thing. Worship is a lifestyle. So everything that you do in your life is a posture before God that you come under. And so when he came and bowed to Jesus' feet, it's not just worshiping Jesus, but worshiping God and glorifying him through what Jesus had done. One person. One person responded in gratitude. If you think about it, how many people around us are truly grateful for all the things that God pours out? We cry out intensely for God to deliver us from this, save us from that, help us to get through this situation or the other. We cry out. But how many of us go back with the same intensity to give God thanks after we receive what we've been intently asking for? Most of us have had kids, um, greedy little boogers. When you buy them stuff for Christmas, they act a stone cold fool when they get that toy that they've been looking for and they open up the presents and stuff is everywhere. They have been bugging you and asking you for months and months and months, I want Optimus Prime. That might have been me. Yeah, 
<laughs> I want Optimus Prime. And not that, you know, Peter built Optimus Prime. In the, no, I want the old school Optimus flat front, you know, big old box trailer, Gen 1 Optimus Prime. And you beg for this toy for so many months, and then when you see it under the tree, you lose your mind. Ah, thank you. Ah! Boxes everywhere. Not knowing this thing will be worth thousands if you keep it in the package 20 years later. But how many of us go to our prayer closet, cry out, Lord, save me, Lord, deliver me. And then when it's time, when he gives you what you've asked for, you go, thank you, Jesus. And you go on about your business. <laughs> I should stop meddling. We should be equally intense in the proclamation of God's goodness and our gratitude towards him as we are in our requests. Real quiet in here. I'm going to move on. He said to the one, he says, arise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. There is a big difference between being clean and being well. Being clean is the situation that bothered you is no longer a factor. But being well is that now you've been restored to soundness all the way a lot of us want to be clean from situations but few of us go back to the father and glorify him for what he's done deeply and truly and then find out that restoration that comes from giving glory to God first Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 16 and 18 should be on the board it says rejoice always Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. Not in some things. In everything. Brother Reed, what does everything mean in Greek? Everything. everything. All right, who speaks Hebrew? What does everything mean in Hebrew? Everything. ¿Qué es la palabra todo en inglés? Everything. everything. <laughs> <laughs> in no, they knew what it says in Spanish. It's... The, the English speakers are going, okay, there he goes. He's speaking in tongues? No, that's Spanish. <laughs> there are people who can interpret. <laughs> it's in lingua. Everything give thanks. You say, well, what if I'm having a bad day? Give thanks. What if I receive... <laughs> in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Well, I'm having a bad day. I'm excused to be, you know, ingrateful. In everything, <laughs> give thanks. I'm getting some looks. I should come over here and preach because I got some people over here looking at me like, you better straighten this out real quick. <laughs> in everything, it's training and disciplining yourself to give thanks no matter what the circumstances are because it's based on my position in him, not the condition I'm in. It doesn't matter what condition I'm in. I know what my position is in him. And my condition cannot take away my position. Therefore, no matter what I'm going through here, and I may not like it, but I will give thanks to God because no matter what at the end of the day, my position is still in him, and nothing can separate me from the love of God. Before I went to uh, Sweden, <laughs> I remember a sermon where my pastor, he said, uh, he says, you know what? 
God follows you everywhere you're going. Glorify him in everything you go through. If you wake up and you find yourself in hell, glorify God so much that the devil has to kick you out. I thought, that's kind of cheeky. That's, that's a little interesting. Like, fast forward a few years and guess where I find myself? <laughs> and I remember what he said. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to start praising God and finding people that's going to praise God. And we just going to glorify God. And, and, and it built a momentum. And it wasn't just me, but it was keeping that in mind that, you know what? I may be in a cell, but thanks be to God that I'm in a pod with a bunch of Christians that get loud, that get rowdy, that glorify God. And the, and the DOs recognize it and then go to a foreyard and I'm around a bunch of Christians that get loud and get rowdy and glorify God. And then they move me to this weird oddball yard where the COs were gray, like Confederate soldiers, get around a bunch of people that are rowdy and we start worshiping God and doors start opening, things start happening, COs start respecting what God is doing. The warden starts respecting what God is doing, all because we did not let the, the situation dictate our gratitude, but our position in him dictate our gratitude, and it became infectious. It became infectious. You think, well, there's not a lot to be grateful for when you're in prison. You're in Christ Jesus, number one. I guarantee you, even if we had fights, and some of y'all were some knuckleheads, but I guarantee you, you didn't have as many fights as you could have had. You didn't have as many situations come to you that could have. Because somehow in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death, God still walked with you. Even when you weren't walking with him. Even when you decided, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go study the Wicca stuff. Because God didn't deliver me. He didn't get me out of the trial. Is this a little too real? Uh, <laughs> And you would sit on your bunk and you would read the, you know, you're going to be the white witch or the, the red witch or whatever, a wizard or whatever you call them that they do and all the other stuff. And you're going to burn and shout at the moon and hoot and holler. And next thing you know, God says, get rid of that book and start reading this. Come back home. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, I'm still alive. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I don't need this stuff. I remember who held me. I remember who covered me. I remember who delivered me. Why am I running to this stuff that gratifies the flesh instead of running back to my Savior who gratifies me for eternal life? And he starts reeling you back in. In everything, give thanks. What is the position that we're in? Romans chapter 8, verses 28 through 30. And we know that it's kind of like everything, but it's all things. It's a little different spelling, but it's still earthing. All things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. A lot of people like to say all things work together for good. To those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. Use the whole scripture. And we know that all things, uh-oh, Eric just jumped. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called, the ecclesia, which is what you're in, the church, the ecclesia, is the called out ones, the called according to his purpose. Next verse. For whom he foreknew. This is before daddy and them. This is for granddaddy and them. This is before all of them. 
This is before some of y'all even were bought over here or rode a boat over here or some of y'all were over here and had conflict, whatever the case may be. It was before all that. Whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. You didn't surprise God. Humans have this term that's unfortunate, and I feel bad for the kids who have to hear this, and they fit in that circumstance. Oops, baby. That's like one of the worst things you could ever joke about with your kids. Oh, he's the oops, baby. Like, there was no plan for you. You just showed up, and we had to figure out what to do. God is not surprised when you came into the world. He already had a plan laid out for you. He already had set things in motion for you. He foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. So with God, all this stuff is really past tense. You're just catching up to the work he's already done. Remember that the next time you get frustrated and want to get angry because you think things ain't changing fast enough or you can't get over your issue fast enough or, you know, I just... He's already set out the plan. You're catching up to the plan that he has for you. You're catching up to the work that he has for you. You don't see the finished project. You can look in the Bible and see that you're being conformed into the image of his son, but you don't see where he's got to take you yet. So to get frustrated for where you're at is just, I'm not going to use that word, silly. <laughs> Somebody else has another word that's a lot harsh. I'm just going to say silly. It's operating without a full set of information. That's like going to Ikea, buying a $400 desk, and then trying to put it together before you get the instructions out of the book. It's already difficult enough with the instructions. Why do you want to make it much, much more hard? So we are put here with a purpose already in mind, and God is going to be pleased with what he's doing on the inside of us. And our gratitude comes from recognizing our position in him and worshiping him accordingly. Now, two warnings. Number one, John 4, 23 and 24 says that, um, just in summary, the hour is coming and now is, and the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. In other words, worshiping him in flesh and doubt is not going to get it. Worshiping him in flesh and doubt is not going to get it. As a matter of fact, God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. That is not optional. That is not even a suggestion. That is a must. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You know, it's funny. Um, when I was writing this and I'm looking at it, and then I remembered a certain saying in Genesis, the third chapter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because when somebody ate off the tree the nature of what they were changed they became dead in their spirit to God and when God goes and looks for them the first thing he says is Adam where are you where is the Adam I created where is the spirit 
that is in you that should worship me in the way you were destined to worship me and is no longer there. What is this Adam? This is not what I created. This is not what I created to worship me. And so all throughout history, you see these forms of fleshly worship that are just patchwork in order to glorify God until the Holy Spirit comes and until we're reborn. And now with a reborn spirit, we can worship God the way that he intended for us to worship him in spirit. You say, well, what about clapping hands and all of that? When you worship him in spirit, you manifest it in flesh. What happens in the invisible is manifested in flesh. So when you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit and you're moving in spirit, walking in spirit, what you see manifested in your actions is the relationship which you have with the Holy Spirit in the spirit. Just lost a whole bunch of people there. In other words, you're not going to worship God in the flesh and just come in and flesh clap, you know, and just try to fake it till you make it. It's spirit-based worship, which you see demonstrated in the flesh. Number one, we have to worship him in spirit. Number two, we have to worship him in truth. Hebrews 11, chapter 5, verse 6 says, in summary, without faith it is impossible to please God. By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. This is uh, somebody who didn't have the Holy Spirit. Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For because he was taken, he had, before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. He found something. Next verse. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God, number one, must believe that he is, and number two, that he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. What does this have to do with gratitude? First and foremost, it's going back to the God, recognizing him for who he is in your life, and then giving him recognition in the form which he requests for us to do, worshiping him in spirit and in truth. When we worship him in truth, that means we're not doubting his word. We're not doubting who he is. We know who he is. We come to him by faith because he said who he is and he has demonstrated it in our lives and we worship him accordingly. You can't have faith in a Stephen King novel. I wouldn't even suggest you read a Stephen King novel. You can't have faith in government. You can't have faith in man. Some of y'all get your feelings hurt because you put your faith in man. Put your faith in God. He's the only one who is not going to change from what he said. It is consistent. He remains the same without shadow of turning or change. So when he says it, we can believe it and act accordingly. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Turn to Psalm chapter 40. Here's an example of somebody who trusted God. One of my favorite passages one of them Psalm 40 verses 1 through 3 I want y'all to look at this I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me and heard my cry he also brought me up out of a horrible pit out of a miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps he has put a new song in my mouth 
praise to our God. Many will see it in fear and will trust in the Lord. Again, like the lepers in this situation that we can relate to and be an outcast, at least to the world, this person is in a pit. It doesn't say that he fell in or was pushed in. It's like that stupid joke about all these people lined up on one side of the pool with alligators in it and the guy on the other end that says the first one that can swim through these alligators and get to the other side can marry my daughter. Nobody jumps in. Next thing you know, when everybody's attention is gone, you hear splash. You see a guy swimming for his life. He gets to the other side. He stands in front of the guy and the guy says, wow, such courage. You can marry my daughter. What is it that you want? He says, I want to know the name of the person who pushed me in. <laughs> when you're in a pit, whether you fell in or were pushed in, the only thing you see in that pit is dirt. Your whole view is obscured at that point. You're in the middle of it. All you see is in the depth and surrounded by things that are pressing in on the inside of you and you're in need. And so when he was in the pit, all he did was call upon the Lord and wait. He waited. <laughs> he didn't rush. He didn't yell. He called upon God and waited for his deliverance. You know that's hard to do when you're surrounded and you feel like you're overwhelmed by all the calamities and everything that's just suddenly jumped up around your life and you're going, God, it's getting closer. Help! The walls are closing in and you want to rush, you want to get anxious. Deb's looking at me like, are you preaching to yourself? I have told y'all a thousand times, all I have to do is put Sekou in the mirror and preach at him and I guarantee you 90% of the people in the congregation is going to get it. And the other 10% will get it next week. The walls close in. The situation gets dire. You don't see any way out. Daylight is far out of reach. And you're just anxious. Oh, what am I going to do? And with anxiety comes um, negative meditation. We call it worry. <laughs> I'm driving Brian crazy every time I do it. He's like, yes, stop. We worry, we start murmuring, and then murmuring kind of grows into the other word, complaining, because these walls, we want to rush God, but he said, I waited patiently, Blake, I waited patiently. All these situations are caving in on me, they're, they're not moving, and, and the time is running out, I waited Patiently. I'm picking on Blake because Blake came in pretty hot on Thursday. And, and it's a very difficult situation. But you wait patiently on the Lord. If you're in need, Jehovah Jireh is the one that supplies our needs. So he knows. But when we get into that pit, you got to realize what dominates your perception affects your perspective. If all you see is dirt, and depth and darkness that's all you begin to think about that's all you begin to focus on 
and you talk more about how deep the pit is and how cold the dirt is than how great your God is. It starts to dominate your conversation. It starts to dominate your thoughts. It starts interrupting your dreams. It starts to become pervasive. And now when people go, hey, brother, how you doing? Man, the pit's getting deeper and deeper, and I'm just, oh, oh, oh. It's like you just, it just dominates your whole focus away from the Lord. But when God comes and delivers, he, it didn't say the guy climbed out. God took him out of the pit, out of the miry clay, which made even being in a pit tough to navigate and put him on a rock where now his perspective is different. His interaction with God is different. And not only did he put him on the rock, he put a new song in his mouth. goes back to the lepers if we were in the pit crying out you know oh god help me lord jesus oh i need to get the brothers in the sea come on now we got oh jesus i'll get the oil (laughs) and then we get out of the pit thank you lord and then you go on about your business you, you know, it's, it's a mirror, some of it because I come out of that Pentecostal background. I've seen people with messy praise. You know why? Because they were in messy situations. And when they were in messy situations, they did not care about being cute. They didn't care about how they looked. They cared about, Lord, you are the only one that can deliver me. I will cry out, snot bubbles going, the eyes welled up with tears. I don't care what I look like. I need help. And when God delivers them, they will come right back into the church, snot bubbles, tears in their eyes. But instead of crying out in desperation, now they're crying out in gratitude. And they come in. That's how some of us should be. The same people, we, brother, we need to pray. When you get delivered, come into the church. Hey, man, we got to glorify God. Turn that music up. Let's go. Let's play them drop. Get back up there, man. No, we ain't done. We got to glorify God. Have the same intensity in praising God. As you did when you were calling on. When he puts a new song in your mouth, there's an interesting thing. That song is not just for you. That song is for everybody around you. That's why I'm on this huge mission for us to make our own music. Write our own music. There's some, Hillsong, great. Bethel's, yeah. But I mean... There's something about what God is doing in this environment with the people in this environment that is not just impactful, it's traumatic. It goes deep into you, deep change, deep gratitude. If we could voice that, you'd be surprised at how many people can resonate with what God is doing in here. Well, it's a church full of a bunch of lepers. It's a church full of a bunch of people who are clean and saved. That had come out of leprosy. And we got a song to sing about how great our God is. We got gratitude and praise for all the things that he's delivered us from. We got gratitude for where he has us right now. Is life easy? Not every day. But the position I'm in 
does not define the condition I'm in. The condition is temporary. The position is eternal. And so as long as I got breath, I'm going to give thanks to God. When depression sets in, I'm going to give thanks to God. When anxiety sets in, I'm going to give thanks to God. When worry steps in, I'm going to stop worshiping the problem and get back to worshiping my God until I begin to see him bigger than I see the pit that I'm in. And when he puts my feet on solid ground, hush, watch. When he puts my feet on solid ground and I have a song to sing, I don't care if you don't like the, the, the backdrop of the song because you'll like the end of the song. You may not like the situation I was in, but you'll like the demonstration of the grace that was bestowed upon me. Glory be to God. You may not like my history, but you will love the testimony of how great God is and how much of a deliverer he is. And when you start having a bad day, you'll get to thinking about the testimony of others and go, wait a minute. God is faithful. God is a healer. God is a restorer. God is the one that strengthens the hands to, to hold your head high. God is the one that's on the mountaintop just waiting to deliver his people. And it doesn't matter what you're going in in that moment. It may not be great, but my God is. And you start giving him thanks and praise. You say, well, that's just showing off. I'm not showing off. God is showing off. I love that scripture that says, Jesus says, if you've seen me, you have seen the father. That's awesome. Because he came down from the father. He's Jesus. Yeshua HaMashiach. The, that's Hebrew for Jesus the Christ. But then he turns around and he says, I'm going to send you guys out. If they've seen you, they've seen me. But wait a minute. But if they've seen Jesus, then they've seen the Father. Which means that the company business of the kingdom of heaven. Sorry. Now it looks like this. I know you've had a long day. But it looks like this. Look at the person next to you. That is a representation of the great grace of God. And so when I give thanks, you may look at the vessel, but I want you to look at the one that delivered the vessel. I know we got time or we're running short on time. Psalm 100 says we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. That ought to give us great perspective. Number one, the Lord God is. Period. He is, and he has priority, which means if I start praising and giving him gratitude, I'm start recognizing him and giving him priority over every situation of my life. Number two, in this passage of scripture, he made us, which means that he had a divine purpose. As a matter of fact, the psalm says he made us and not we ourselves, even though we try to make ourselves into the next Bruno Mars or the next. We don't talk about Bruno. Some of y'all know that, some of y'all don't. But he made us. All the things we try. <laughs> Somebody got it. I think it's Coco. We don't talk about Bruno, no, no. Anyways, we, <laughs> we try to make ourselves, and we make a mess. But when we look back and see what he made, we turn around and say we are fearfully and wonderfully made. 
And then we recognize another psalm that says he only does wondrous things, which means that if he is making you, then you're not ugly, dumb, stupid, ignorant. Well, ignorant just means you're unlearned. But you're not the negative things that you try to associate with and you try to get more beauty sleep because the beauty just ain't keeping up. No. No matter how rustic your mug looks, <laughs> no matter how much shape you're in, no matter how much you got a moonroof, a sunroof, or you're riding a convertible, <laughs> you're still fearfully and wonderfully made. And if you start confessing that, and you start realizing, instead of looking at the negative in your life, you look at but what God has done, and then you start realizing, I may not have everything I want, but where I'm at is not half bad. I may not get all the things that I'm looking for, but what I have need of, my Father will provide. I can come in here and give thanks for just getting a bus pass instead of a Maserati. Because no matter what, my God has me covered. We can be grateful for his presence, for his provision, provision for his protection, for the government that he has in the church, for the wise guidance that he gives us. We can be grateful because he is a God of unforced favor, means that we didn't go to him and bend his arm. He graced us because he chose to, because he desired to. He also gives us undeserved grace. We, he doesn't owe us anything, but he chooses to give us everything. And then he pours upon us this unfathomable love. I dare you to sit down and just try to figure out, okay, how deep is the love of God? Good luck, I'll see you in eons. If you sit down and really start cataloging all the things you have to be grateful for, you will start to see that that list outweighs all the things that you think give you temporary distress. I urge you in closing, when the Bible says that he has put a new song in my mouth after this moment of deliverance, praise to our God. Be mindfully grateful. Actually think about what you're giving thanks for. And think about the provision that has been given to you and keep it in mind. Don't just go, okay, somebody gave me gummy bears, I'm just gonna go on about my business. That doesn't mean I'm eating gummy bears again, I'm just using it as an example. But instead go, you know what? You kept me safe on the road here from Chandler. You kept me while I was sick last week and yet you restored me and I'm able to come back and worship with the brethren. I'm 77 years old and I'm still giving people problems. You have a lot to be grateful for but it's being mindfully grateful to actually think about the things that God has done to be consistently grateful, to make it a practice. Thank you, Lord, for this morning. Thank you, Lord, for a safe ride to work. Or thank you, Lord, that the blessed creation that pulled out in front of me didn't cause a wreck. But to be consistently grateful, not consistently complaining, but consistently thankful for what God has done. Be boldly grateful. Don't be ashamed of your testimony. 
Don't be ashamed of the things that God has delivered you from. Because you may look at the shame of the pit instead of telling people about the power that delivered you out of the pit and put your feet upon a rock. Yeah, the story may have ugly parts, but I guarantee you when you talk about the punchline, it is something that will knock out Mike Tyson in one second. The Bible says many will see it and fear the Lord. Many. In your day, you say, okay, well, I'm going to give thanks when I go to church. All right. And then you go to work and you become grumpy Gus or distraught David or angry Anthony. I can go on all day, but I I'm not because then people will start going, just stop reading my mail. <laughs> what if we went to work with that same attitude of gratitude? You know what? I'm here. Thank you. I have a job. Thank you. I'm able to take care of my bills. God provides. Thank you. I'm able to be around people that can see the power of God in my life. And when they hear me giving thanks, instead of complaining like them, they begin to wonder, what is it that makes me look at things so much differently? Well, let me tell you about a Jesus who delivers. Be bold in your gratitude because you don't know who's listening. And because of your thankfulness, they will realize the power of God and be begging to hear more about this delivering, loving, kind, and just God that we serve. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for everything, so many things. And I know I just said be mindful, but Father, just to even be here in this building and to be together in fellowship with fellow believers, we give you thanks, because only you could have brought this together. And Lord, as we enter into this season of, of thanksgiving, it doesn't matter what the motive behind it was. The children of God are standing up and saying, in this season, we will proclaim the truth that our God is just, that our God is holy, that our God is righteous, that our God is mighty, and he has delivered and continues to deliver and we pray that those who hear our giving of thanks will be encouraged, emboldened, and be able to turn from the darkness that they are in into your marvelous light that you have placed us in. And we thank you for the privilege of being those that you share your light through. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Would you all stand? I really was not intending for the whole point of being as intense with your prayer as being intense with your gratitude. But it makes a lot of sense when we go where the Spirit goes. Think about that. Is your gratitude lame, for lack of a better word? But your prayer is earnest. I would think about that to declare God and give gratitude with the same boldness that you went to him and asked for deliverance, asked for healing, asked for whatever it was that you asked for. To let your gratitude not just be words, but be heartfelt declarations 
that are burning with passion because of the God that you serve. Would you all lift your hands for the benediction? Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Let the church say, Amen, Amen and God bless you.